0: On today's show, we're breaking down our playbook to transform your business and your marketing career in 2024. We're going to give you some skills that you need to start doing immediately if you want to transform. We're going to give you a few things that you have to stop doing today because those things are sabotaging your success. And we're going to give you a breakdown of some amazing tactics that we're using in our businesses today that are going to bring this all to life and going to make it easy for you to get started ASAP. Let's get into today's show. Before we get back to today's show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least it brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever with an AI powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep up on the pulse of accounts before trying to upsell or cross sell. Also you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means, better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com slash service to do more for your customers today. All right, Kieran is here looking good. He's bringing the turtleneck. He is rocking what I think is my favorite sweater of the Kieran collection right now. (laughs) It's because he's a Bond villain? No, it's AMI, first of all, which Kieran didn't know. It's a great brand. Like AMI a lot. They're a great French brand. I like the colors. I like the turtleneck. It makes you look very professorial slash Bond villain, and I like it a lot. It fits with the narrative
1: or a second part of how to be an incredible marketer in 2022, so I had to bring out the turtleneck. If
0: you don't think marketing is looking the part, you're wrong, Yeah, first of all.
1: It is 100%. You have to look the part. Amri will not let me wear this sweater. I would her in public. Why? Exactly. I need to like record you saying that. Tell her I think it is a nine out of 10 sweater. Right? I know.
0: She thinks that makes me look like a serial killer. Oh, I think you look fantastic. (laughs) Uh, YouTube viewers, (laughs) does Kieran's partner, Anne Marie, need to change her mind on the sweater? sweater? I think it's a good sweater. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a thumbs down. Also, before we get to the Today Show, Kieran, I just had this thought this morning. You told the viewers a couple weeks ago that you're welcoming a new baby in the coming weeks. My question for you is, what is the chance? You don't need to tell me the name. What is my chance of ever spelling or pronouncing this baby's name correctly? Oh, ten 10 out of 10. Uh, Easy.
1: Yes. What have I gone for? One of the actual <laughs> lessons are coming up in this uh, podcast. Simplicity. <laughs> okay.
0: Because for everybody watching, yeah, Irish names are notoriously impossible to spell, yeah. pronounce, get right. It is like they're... Are very hard. I have a lot of colleagues in Ireland. They're amazing, but I've had to study their names to pronounce them and spell them correctly, and I still mess it up sometimes. There are
1: mystery letters that appear in Irish names that never get pronounced. I will say I've leaned into my love of all things U.S. for this name. All right, (laughs) I'm excited for the
0: big reveal. But until then, we've got. The second five of our marketing skills to master. This is our two-part masterclass on if you're a marketer, you're really trying to up-level this year, what you need to focus on. And these aren't like, oh, send better email or write better copy. These are like the core strategy skills you need to evaluate and use in any marketing decision you're making, right? Right.
1: All right, here it is. We kind of cut out. We did a pretty long episode. These are really the first principles of how you be an incredible marketer 2024
0: and beyond. We covered five. Are you drinking out of a Stanley, Kieran? Yeah. I love it. Can we talk? We have to do a Stanley episode at this point. I've heard that they're really great at marketing. Did you see the tweet that's
1: going around? I don't know a lot about the brand, but I've heard that the from CEO of Stanley
0: people. was previously the CMO of Crocs. Everybody oh, no is like, way. He's two for two. He took these two. Crazy things. Yeah. He would actually be like a top five guest for me. It'd be great. Oh, hey, come sell Stanley mugs to tech people. See, I'm
1: Team Yeti, At not your Team audience. Stanley. So
0: it would be a good show. Yeah.
1: All right. So we covered five in our very first part five first principles, how to be a better marketer 2024. We're going to cut back in for the second part. And we are going to start with something truly important, Kip. And that is, you should avoid being average. No one wants to be average. No one wants to be the chat GPT output, which averages everything it sees on the internet and gives you the average of most things. You want to really avoid being average in the places that matter. So that doesn't mean you cannot be table stakes everywhere. It means you need to understand where are the most important parts of your marketing and go-to-market funnel, or just your business in general, where are the most important parts? that you need to be much better than the competition, that you need to level up, right? I have a great story here, Kip, but first of all, what are your thoughts on this as a way
0: to kick off the second part of the show? So first of all, if you're a marketer, if you're average, you've lost, because in the game of marketing, all the upside comes from taking risk. Now you can't take 100% of the risk 100% of the time because you'll fail, you'll take too much risk. But if you take no risk and you just play it safe in the middle, You will fail because you'll never get those big upsides of being an early adopter of search engine optimization, of being a pioneer in influencer marketing. Whatever strategy that may be, if you're not taking risks and being out on the edge, you're going to fail. And Kieran, I think I've said on the show a couple times, I've really enjoyed Shane Parrish's book, Clear Thinking. If you haven't read it, you're going to have to read it. And there's a great quote in there. One of the things he talks about in that book is like the inertia that stops us from doing and thinking clearly. And he says, The zone of average is a dangerous place when it comes to inertia. It's the point where things are working well enough that we don't feel the need to make any changes. Of course, They rarely do. For example, staying in a relationship that is too good to leave and too bad to stay is a perfect example of the zone of average. If things were much worse, we would act. But since they're not terrible, we stay and hope things get better. Right. And it's like you get in this place of safety and that's where too many marketers stay and live. And I know you've got a big story around this, so I wanna kick it over to you for that.
1: Yeah, I've got two actually, because you reminded me of a story from one of the... (laughs) NLP conferences I went to. When he says
0: NLP, it's not like <laughs> natural language processing. It is neuro-linguistic programming. No,
1: it's neuro, neuro-linguistic program. So
0: actually, I did take away a lot
1: from this 10,000 euro of
0: my last cent that I had to my name <laughs> I love <laughs> the, seminar. you've totally glossed over this for people that <laughs> not only did you go to this neuro-linguistic programming conference, but it cost $10,000 and it was the last $10,000 you had.
1: Oh, yeah. I was broke. I was broke. I decided to not be an engineer anymore, left my career, didn't know what I was going to do next and decided to spend my only 10,000 euro on a seminar, which I remember vividly my mom having some sort of breakdown on the call when I was telling her I was going to do this. But (laughs) they did have this kind of cool graph around people who are successful and they call it very similar, which is there's the things you push away from and the things you pull towards And so the things you push away from, if you grew up working class, if you grew up without very much money, like all of these things resonate with you, you remember that. So you kind of push away from that and that actually causes you to have some success in your career and you have some sort of outcome you're striving towards. So there's part push, part pull, but you get at some point happy, with your results. Like you're in the middle, like very similar. You get Mm -hmm. to like a point where maybe it's kind of average, but average for you makes you feel comfortable. Whereas the most successful people for the most part only focus on a large outcome, like something that they're actually striving towards. And so they never get comfortable because the outcome they're striving towards is so large. Now, the example I want to give is one of my new favorite founder of all time. So I'm listening to the Founders Podcast, which we are both a fan
0: of. David, come on the show. We want David, who does the Founders Podcast, to come on the show. he has
1: a great new podcast around the founder of Red Bull. And what's amazing about Red Bull, I know there's been so many case studies done on Red Bull, and we're going to do a show, but it's going to have a different twist but it was really just a marketing company. Like Red Bull originated from a drink that was sold in Thailand, an uncarbonated drink. He carbonated it and then actually brought it to the Western world, but he was a marketer. He actually left Unilever at the age of 40, which I love. But there's this incredible example of why you should have such a high quality bar if you're a marketer. So there's a great example of him working with a friend in an agency to come up with the first strap line for Red Bull. <laughs> he has no money Red Bull is very new. He's actually at this time working as an intern for his friend in the agency to pay for the agency to do this work, doesn't have a cent. So what do you think he does when they come up with their first campaign? Now, what would most of us do? Well, I don't have money. You ship it. You ship it, right? Because you should ship things, but there's a quality bar. He does not do that. He's not happy with the first iteration. He's not happy with the second iteration. He's not happy with the third iterations. He's not happy with the 30th iterations. He's not happy (laughs) with the 40th iteration. Until he gets one and a half years into working on this first campaign for Red Bull. And the friend who's in the agency rings him up one night and says, I know what it is. It's Red Bull gives you wings. (laughs) He goes, that's it, ship it. Changed the trajectory of the entire business. Yeah, And it really resonated with me, right? Like I do believe in ship
0: fast and iterate, but boy. There's some things you got to get right from the start. There's some
1: things you have to get right. And if you can get that- positioning and, and,
0: and taglines right. are one of them.
1: And so I think that's a good example of knowing when you really have to have a high quality bar. And this thing is truly monumental or truly critical to our success.
0: Yeah, one last Shane Parrish quote on this point, which is, few people realize that exceptional outcomes are almost always achieved by people with higher than average standards. Right. right. Like you have to have this really exactly. high standard. And if you have that really high standard, then the work will eventually rise to meet that standard and you will be inherently well above average.
1: Right. There's a great example of that in soccer that you all call it. But football There's a coach called Pep Guardiola. Now, I dislike him because he manages Man City. I'm a Liverpool supporter but he is notorious for having an incredibly high bar for his players, so much so that players actually burn out within a certain number of years, cause they cannot continue to operate at this high level, but he's probably well-regarded as one of the best coaches in the world. And I think that's an example of like great, great people have incredibly high bars. Do you wanna take this one Kip? Cause I think this is one of the ones that you said this year that
0: really resonated with me. All right, this is for me, one of my marketing first principles, which is apathy is the worst outcome of marketing. The worst thing you can possibly ever achieve with marketing is that no one cares. And that is very, very counterintuitive. The reason is because the input to apathy, how you get apathy, is by doing safe, non-differentiated things. And by the way, safe, non-differentiated, comfortable things are what people do all the time. It's what marketers do all of the time. And they do it because, well, you know, this isn't controversial, my CEO, my board, They're not going to care about this. It's going to be totally fine. My customers will kind of think this is okay. So this offends nobody, so I will do it. And what you're essentially saying here is you have to take a stand. To be for somebody, you are not for somebody else. And that is the hardest part of marketing to understand. Right? Right. And I think there are a couple of examples here, Kieran. We just did this thing recently with Alex Lieberman where... We partnered with him to send him and some friends to this college football game. We generated like millions of impressions online for less than $50,000. We might do a full rundown episode on that. But if you were going to just play the average marketer game, you would have said, all right, well, I can't send a bunch of white dudes to a football game. That's not going to come off good. It's going to be too bro-y. You're going to be like, well... I'm not sure exactly what I would get for this money. So because I'm not clear on the ROI, maybe I'm not going to do that. And then you'd be like, well, all right, I'll just go put this $50,000 into Facebook ads and call it a day. Right, That's exactly. like, like there, there are like 10 other rationalizations, but for the sake of time on the pod, those are just a yeah. couple. You would just never do it. What instead you have to say is, what will have people talk about me? One of the best things that Brian Halligan, who's co-founder of HubSpot, ever said to me is like, The definition of remarkable is to be remarked on. (laughs) Like people have to talk about (laughs) you. If people do not talk about you, you are not remarkable, (laughs) right? Like that is actually the definition of the word. And so you instead have to apply this binary of, oh, I don't care about the safe choice. Will people talk about this? And do I think there's a good chance that the majority of that conversation is going to be positive? If yes to those two things, you should do it. If you have the time and money to do it, you should do it right? And that is how you avoid the trap of apathy. Right, This to me is something I see literally every day. I would argue like 95% of marketing falls into this bucket that is just completely apathetic, completely boring, completely non-differentiated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You could look at the what you did to sponsor that crew go into that college football game. And some people might look at that and go, ah, oh, that's dumb. I, why would I do that? I think it's because they don't understand how the internet works. Like they would not understand that's going to become a story on the social platforms. They don't understand Alex has a huge amount of do audience. They views? don't understand just the
0: announcement post. Yeah.
1: God. Just on LinkedIn you made your money back. Like just on the one LinkedIn post you would have made he- your money back. Not never mind the whole it's turned into like a I knew as soon as I saw you do that, the thing he was gonna be incredible at was documenting the entire yes. thing on yes. the internet. Cause that is what he is. It wasn't about great the at. game,
0: it was about the internet. And that's what people missed. Right.
1: It's all the pre-things. Like it's not the game, it's the whole lead up. Like The photos of him dressing up in the costumes, it basically plugs into the internet, right? I guess how the internet works today.
0: The initial announcement post, I think the Twitter post, Twitter slash X post, whatever we're calling it these days, got almost a million views and the LinkedIn post is not that far behind. Right, right, for 50,000. Bananas. And then that doesn't count all the other work and results that happened after the actual announcement.
1: Right, shout out to the HubSpot crew who created those (laughs) t-shirts. Yeah, shout out to the
0: brand team, they killed
1: it. Like, if you want to learn how to go pitch your product, which is one of the hardest things to do, but one of the most important things for marketers and salespeople to do, you should listen to the April Dunford episode that we just did. gives a great masterclass on that. And one of the things that she said that really resonated was, you have to be for someone within your pitch, right? And the example she used is too often what we do is we construct the pitch around whatever the person wants to hear. That's not how you become a large successful company. You need to craft a pitch around your differentiated value and make that person really care about that differentiated value and see why that is the thing that they should actually care about. And I think that's why it's so important is like, if you are for no one, then during even a pitch, the simplistic thing of trying to pitch your product, it gets lost while you're for that person, right? Because you're trying to be for every person.
0: We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So this is a pretty simplistic one, but I don't know, like, is
0: it? I promise you it's not.
1: How many marketers do you know that just don't, even just listen to customer calls or talk to customers? The nuance in what a customer tells you. So this slide is basically Jeff Bezos, very famous for saying that Amazon was going to be the most customer-centric company of all time. Mm -hmm. That was what they aspired to be. And so everything is predicated on like being close to the customer and truly understanding the customer. And in my experience as a marketer, there have been times where I have undervalued this. For sure. Same. And looked at data and tried to build the aggregate version of what I think the data is telling me. And then you listen to a customer call explain the problem that you're trying to solve in their words. And you're like, huh, I actually didn't understand anything about the intricacies of this problem. I just didn't understand because I didn't listen to how that customer was experiencing it. And I think there's a case to be made that if you have monthly goals or quarterly goals or whatever they may be for your marketing team, it is a non-negotiable that one of those goals is clocking a certain amount of hours on customer calls. Like, and it's a non-negotiable, like top of the list is you actually have to do this work. Because I feel like Dharmesh says this all the time, and uh, Wade says this all the time, the company that is closest to the customer and truly understands those problems will likely always win. And I think it's the same for marketing, because marketing is our extension of really, how do I
0: create customer value? I completely agree. And so let's talk real quick about some very tangible ways that you can do this, because I get asked this a lot, because you know I'm a board, some investor, different things. This almost always comes up. One of my biggest notes for companies is like, oh, you are not customer centric enough. You are too internal centric versus customer centric, right? For example, later today, we have our monthly customer council call where we have five customers come in and they talk about a specific topic, might be an area of our product, might be a trend in the market, what have you. And we listen to them for like an hour and then we debrief for 30 minutes. Like that is a foolproof cheat sheet of like, anybody can go and do that and you can get a really good insight to your customer base. If you are using HubSpot call intelligence, Gong, anything that records your calls with customers, searching those transcripts, listening to those calls, doing all of that, great. Support shadowing. like Everybody in Amazon has to do two days in support every two years. That's how they do it. You need to have a couple of clear rules and systems that kind of mandates that customer interaction because then... All of that input from the customers just permeates your culture and builds this customer centricity that you're outlining here, Karen.
1: Right, yeah. You shouldn't even have to tell marketers that they should be listening to sales and customer support calls, especially today when those things are recorded. No, on but people bond. get distracted.
0: Can, people are busy. There's a yeah, lot of work that they're trying to execute on. You just need to make sure that's supplemented with customer knowledge and all that work is based on the right knowledge, right?
1: But that's why it should be an OKR So it's non-negotiable. Like you actually, if you don't complete that goal, you have failed that quarter, failed that month. I think that's one of the ways you can instrument it. Now, that's the extreme version of that, but
0: there's some version of that that should work for each company. I completely agree with that.
1: All right, customer centricity,
0: simplify and repeat. The magic of this is the repeat part, but simplify is equally important. Break this down for everybody.
1: So the most powerful marketing story you can tell is a simple one, right? Like people do not have time To read your entire hero's journey. Simple really is not enough. Like, you are just gonna be surprised by how many times you have to repeat something for it to stick within a consumer's mind. I think the data would say it's like 20 plus times. Easily. Again, that's based upon you actually having an incredibly simplistic story. So, the simplistic story is why us? I always think like that's the thing you have to nail. Why pick us? Why pick us? And again, coming back to the April Dunford interview we did, your customers are choosing you for a reason. You just have to make sure you can understand it and articulate it. But then the repetition really matters. Like you could probably have the same simplistic story for 24 months and repeat that on a multitude of different channels. And you internally, are sick. Like I think one of the reasons that people change is because internally they're bored of it, but externally your customer still does not know about it or it
0: still has not resonated with them. Well, I think you have to be explicit about this. I want to be explicit about what you're telling people is like. you need to be sick and tired of the story you're telling. Yes. We get much more tired of our story much faster than our customers do because we hear it 100 10 times more frequently than they hear it, right? What you're really breaking down, and again, this does tie back to our conversation with April Dunford. You should go check out that pod, which is like, you have to pick the right thing to feature about your product, your company, whatever you're marketing, right? Then you have to distill it in a simple way, and then you need to repeat the hell out of it. That's what what I think you're arguing here. Yeah. And so it is clear to me that there is one example of this that is the greatest example of all time.
1: Tell me because I have one as well.
0: Okay. To me, the greatest example of all time, I think it is undebatable, but this is the greatest example of all time. I think anything you're going to say is going to be second to this is the original iPod. Yeah, yeah. And the original iPod is, for anybody who forgets, they were differentiating on how much music that you could hold. And the tagline was, a thousand songs in your pocket. Yeah. That's one of the best taglines of all time. Probably the best tagline ever. Yeah. A thousand songs in your pocket. At that moment in time, when people were still using CDs, like, It is hard in today's age to realize how transformative and how game-changing that was. And then if you go back and look at that creative, the website, the billboards, everything they ran, all it was was a picture of the f***ing iPod and a thousand songs in your pocket. Right. And it was just repeated to all hell. Right. And that was the magic of simplify and repeat. It's a very David
1: Ogilvy esque yes. line because what he was phenomenal at, what great copy creators are phenomenal at, is actually the ad copy is something a customer says. It's not something a marketer yes. interprets. Oh, I love that and puts. It's like a customer would literally say that. And that's why that copy really resonates with a customer. Cause that's something they would literally tell their friend, right? Wow, I've got this iPod, I got a thousand uh, songs in my pocket. The example I was going to use because like, this is me all over, right? I get obsessed with something, I know (laughs) everything about it. And then I move on to the next thing. So I have to use Red Bull again, because how many years that example I give you was 1984. I think the strap line was maybe 1986, 87. Now, if you look at a Red Bull commercial today, what are they advertising? Red Bull gives you wings. And I think that is an example of a company 40 years later who woke up one night in the middle of the night, chose their strapline, and that's how we sell this product. And I'm sure internally you get the VP of marketing and the CMO comes in and goes, let's rebrand. Let's get a new strapline. Let's get a new website. And luckily the founder said, we sell energy drinks, our energy drinks give you wings. I want everyone to know this.
0: Well, you are making a brilliant point here that is implied in this one but not explicit, which is when you simplify something, you make it very durable. Right. Right? The more simplistic something is, the more durable and long-lasting It's like Nike, just do it. Just do it just takes on whatever meaning you want to apply to it, right? And because it's that simple, you can use it in an infinite number of ways for, you know, hundreds of years. and. If you're at a company that's changing their tagline every year or every two years, it's because it's very specific to what they're doing in the here and now, and it hasn't been simplified to be durable and long-lasting. Right.
1: I think that's probably one of the hardest so things hard. to do in marketing is to take a broad term, like just do it, and attach it to your brand. That is the genius behind ad
0: copy writers. Because when marketers get it wrong, they think the tagline is going to do all the work for them. And the inverse is true, that the marketers have to do all the work to make the promise of the tagline true.
1: Right. You know, one of the books I'm reading right now, actually, I don't know if we want to do a show on this, but it reminds me a little of this. And you're going to be surprised when I tell you the book. It's like on the Sackler family, oh, yeah, which yeah. is probably one this of the worst families of of all time. Horrible human but, like, beings, the original, but they had a brilliant yeah, business horrible, approach. Horrible, horrible. Arthur Sackler, the original Arthur Sackler, not the one that is Evil. Uh, in all of the documentaries, his uncle, or I don't know, like yeah. he, he was the one of the original built the business. He verticalized the entire pharma media industry and he was actually an ad copy. Mm-hmm. He grew from copywriting because he was the first person to discover, well, I'm going to create advertisements for pharmaceuticals and sell them to the consumer and have really simplistic messages and how this could actually make your lives better. Now, if you go back, one of the other things he managed to do was own the relationship with the FDA, own <laughs> medical journals that he didn't put his name to anything. So he owned the verticalization of it. But it does show you like the power of this. He changed an entire industry with ad copy. <laughs> and it's simplifying what these medical things could do for like consumers. And I think this is an incredibly important skill to be able to learn. Words are powerful. But not in a way where you should then go and uh, destroy evil societies. No.
0: Use your powers for good, everyone. Use your powers for good. Yeah. But simplify and repeat is, man, if it's not the most important, it's up there. Isn't the most important. And one of the hardest. All right.
1: And this one is just <laughs> half the... <laughs> well, no, <laughs> it,
0: it sounds silly. Cause you're like, oh, have fun. Mm -hmm. But the reality is your customer knows when you're having a good time or not. Your customer knows when you believe what you're telling them or not. If you've got a team of people and they're just unexcited and they're just drudgingly figuring out stuff, that's going to come through to the customer. The customer is going to feel that. You're going to do boring things that are kind of lame, and that's how you're going to come off. Even if you have the best tagline in the whole world, back to the last point, it's still going to fall flat if you don't have a team that's executing with ambition and fun and cooperation, right?
1: Right. I think that creativity comes from people being passionate about what they do, truly wanting to serve the customer. And we say one of the core skills you need to have to make an attack is to be able to grind. But that doesn't mean you grind in a way that's reflected in your marketing, right? Grind just means that you're able to persevere, that you're able to like hustle to make things happen. But really, I think great marketing comes from inspiration. Creativity comes from inspiration, and truly being inspired to like serve customers. And so, I do think that we should always take time to reflect. And marketing is a great job. You get to help tons and tons of companies or people if you're in consumer in B two C, and you have to have some of that fun and creativity appear in your work because that's what resonates with people.
0: You know what makes marketing so hard is that it's so less structured than everything else. right? And because it's so less structured, people put false barriers on themselves. They create structure because it's inherently unstructured, right? And that structure often takes a lot of the fun out. Like sometimes you just have to say, oh, we need to do this because it is just going to be fun and set the tempo for our team and the market. I think it's a leader's job to step back and say, Oh, my team's in a rut. And if my team's in a rut, my marketing is going to be in a rut. And I got to reset that team by doing something different, by giving them a new challenge, by giving them an audacious goal to achieve, by giving them an opportunity that they've always wanted to work on. And that is what really changes the game when it comes to marketing. Because remember, Apathy is the thing we don't want to have happen. And if you have an apathetic team, you're going to have apathetic customers. Right, And if you have a team that are having fun and a team that's really engaged, you're going to have customers that feel the same way.
1: A hundred percent. I think that is like a pretty good way to make sure that you are in the, class of marketer that is going to survive and thrive with all of the changes coming up, all of the technological changes, the AI changes. But really, if you adopt these kind of first principles, you're always going to be successful and your career is going to be future-proof to all of these different changes.
0: Yeah, look, we're going to be breaking down AI this year. We're going to be talking about the Apple Vision Pro, search disruption, all of these things, right, Kieran? But what we just shared at the start of the year if you use these to make any decisions with the new the trends the regulation everything that happens you're going to make far better decisions and that's why we wanted to kick the year off with this we'll revisit these probably a couple times throughout the year but kieran thank you for taking a lot of what we believe and talk about with each other and packaging it in a really good way for everybody else canvas skills and thanks for looking like a bond villain all right this has been marking against the grain we'll see you all real soon